With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Russellville.com presents the book Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. Hear how he was discovered, what happened when he was at World Class, and the adventures he had when he left Dallas. Also available, the Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1 and 2. Read stories of the Northern Wrestling Federation, Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Thunder Rosa, Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, PJ Black, Bushwhacker Luke, The Fantastics, Ricky Morton, Scott Casey, Tim Storm, Kamala, Sauronaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Andrew Anderson, and many more. Get your books today at Russellville.com. Russell. It's where wrestling lives. Hey, you guys, I'm Dan. This is your boy, Jordan Ja, the Asian Cajun, coming straight to you from the 500 block in New Iberia, Louisiana. And you are listening to the Wrestleville Podcast with my dude, Benny Perry. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is Jordan Jaw. How are you, Jordan? Vinny, my man, how you doing? I am worn out from vacation. <laughs> uh, man, I took a vacation, took some time off this week, tried to take a little break with the family. I'm <laughs> I'm probably a little more tired now. <laughs> it wasn't more vacation, it was more work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've had vacations like that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We took a little trip, man, about six hours away up to Dallas, uh, the Dallas area. We stayed at Great Wolf Lodge for a week, and kids had a blast, man. Got to relax a bit, so it was nice. Oh, I, I love Dallas. Actually, that's my – the Metroplex is my, my hometown. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so, yeah, I'm from outside of Dallas. So, yeah, I know the, the area well. Of course, it's, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, you know, it, it's – it's unrecognizable if if you've been away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, dude, you know, it's one place I always wanted to go. I've never gotten to go as many times as I've passed through there. It's medieval times. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've never been in medieval times. I've actually had a friend of mine who used to be a knight there, and he rode horses, and he did the jousting events there. But one of my favorite places to go when I'm in Dallas is the – JFK Museum, which is in the uh, the book depository. Okay, I got you. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of good history in there. A lot of uh, a lot of pictures and uh, the timelines that are inside the you know the museum. When you, you you think about what happened leading up to when the president got shot that morning, it's pretty pretty. I don't know. The timeline of the day is just when you see it broken down, the way that they have it broken down in there is is just really mind-blowing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. I'm kind of a history nerd a little bit, you know? And I find just like when you go to museums and stuff, you learn about the things in school and stuff like that. But when you actually see it in person, you're just kind of like, wow, you know? You're amazed by it. 
Yeah, and the way they have it broken down, so you you know you see that they woke up at a certain time, they went to a uh, speech like in Fort Worth, and then they got on a plane and they flew to Dallas, and then they went downtown, and you know, and then before you know it, like a couple hours after the shooting, Lyndon B. Johnson is on Air Force One, and his uh, Kennedy's uh, President Kennedy's wife is there, and they're swearing Lyndon B. Johnson and his president. Yeah, so, I mean, just within five, you know, five to six hours or whatever of waking up, right? It's just mind-blowing when you when you see it like that. Yeah. So, Jordan, I, I brought you on because you're a professional wrestler, and and I uh, have professional wrestlers on my podcast. I've Me and you have uh, talked in the past. We have a little bit of a rapport. We have some mutual friends. And tell my listeners uh, – a little bit about your career. How many years have you been wrestling, and what is the area that you wrestle in? So I have been wrestling. It's it's, it's kind of funny the timeline with me and wrestling. Uh, I really don't like to count the first couple of years, you know, like like we've talked before. Uh, it's just I was so young. Uh, I started training when I was fifteen. I had my first match when I was seventeen. In 2003, I had just, it was like a week after I turned 17 years old. And from then on, I wrestled to about 2010. Uh, you know, I just had a lot of growing up to do, a lot of maturing to grow through. Uh, I was around a great people, a, a lot of great people, even at that time, you know, but, uh, I was just too young, man, to realize what I actually had. Um, and I just had some growing up to do, you know, so long story short, uh, 2019 comes around. Um, I'm feeling it again. I got the itch, and I decided to jump back in the ring. So I've been wrestling again since 2019, mostly in Louisiana. Uh, some shows here and there to Mississippi, Alabama, uh, a few in Texas, and um, just kind of taking it where it goes, you know, uh, having fun with it, enjoying it, trying to keep a balance between the work life, wrestling life, and family life, of course, you know, because to me that's a good a good life balance is just the most important thing. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And when you're, you're adding, you know, something else to it, like the wrestling, which takes up some time too, it's, it's kind of hard to keep all those, those balls in the air, so to speak. You know, it's, uh, I juggle a lot of stuff myself. So I, I, I follow you, man. I, I, I definitely understand that you have to, you know, uh, give attention to everything that's important in your life, right? Oh, definitely, man. It is very, very important, you know. Like I said, um, I, I, I'm just the kind of guy I feel we need it all, you know. Uh, as a man, I feel like my wife and I, you know, we 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 have we need our relationship time, and then with our children, we need our family time, and then me as a person, I need my me time, and my me time just so happens to be professional wrestling. So you're in a you know, what we call the, the Gulf Coast region of the United States down there. And I'll I, I tell you, the the last couple of years, and that's about where I've been kind of keeping my eye on it, uh, is that the Pulse is pretty strong down there, right? There's quite a few promotions. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, man, uh, definitely. Uh, you have, let me think, just in Louisiana – uh, there's one up north, uh, Bayou Independent Wrestling. They've been running since 06. Uh, one in central Louisiana that's relatively new. 
uh, called UWE. Then further down near the New Orleans area, you have Wildcat. You have um, Gulf Gulf State Wrestling, and then you have Two Two Pro Wrestling Two Two Five. Also, kind of recently, um, there's two more companies that kind of busted out in the Acadiana area recently. Um, Louisiana Wrestling Alliance and Pro Wrestling Movement. Uh, they've only had a few shows, but I mean, they're getting there too. So, uh, just in Louisiana, man, we have probably about, I want to say six to eight steady promotions, you know. Um, Louisiana is, like I said, we have those few, uh, Mississippi and Texas and Alabama. Those, those places are hot, man. They have, they have stuff all over the place. You can find pro wrestling probably damn near every weekend. Are are you wrestling every weekend? How many times are you wrestling a week? I try to go with breaks, you know. Um, so I wrestled the beginning of March, took like a one-week break, wrestled two or three shows, uh, t- take another two or three weekends off. That's usually how I do it, you know. Uh, if I don't have anything planned with wrestling, if I don't have a booking, then I have something planned with family, you know, uh, whether it's a vacation trip or just things with friends and or kids and and stuff like that. So uh, I would use I would say I wrestle two to four times a month. We were talking before we started recording that you're going to be doing some shows in Texas uh, this summer. Talk a little bit about that and who you'll be wrestling with. Back in like around '97, I was always a big fan of Jazz and Rodney Mack. Um, I got I was lucky enough I got to train with them a little bit back in 2005. So. Uh, Myself and a few other guys, we're going to go check out a company called Texas Style Wrestling up north. Uh, we're going to be doing that in June. Uh, not sure exactly uh, what, what they plan on doing with us or what not at all, but either way, it's going to be a great experience. We're, we're very excited about it. They have a lot of big-name guys up there. I know I see Teddy Long up there, of course, Rodney and Jazz. I think I believe Mark Henry does some work up there, too. Uh, like I was telling you before, VHS wrestling, this is, <laughs> this is going to be totally different for me, man. It's, it's going to be a little bit out of my element because I'm not going with my typical character, you know. I'm going to be playing a different character called Naga, and it's an 80s-style retro show, so everything's completely throwback. So you'll be wearing uh, leg warmers and uh, fluorescent-colored uh, singlet, something like that? So, uh, with this one, I'm actually wearing fight shorts, kind of paying a little bit ho- more homage to my father's bloodline. My dad is a Laotian man. He was a refugee back in the late 70s, early 80s with the Vietnam War and everything going on before he came to America. And um, there's the Mekong River that splits between the two countries. And you know how there's folk- folklore. Uh, there's the Bigfoot. There's the Loch Ness Monster. So over there, they have some of their folklore is they have what's called a naga, which is a serpent dragon that lives and kind of haunts the Mekong River. So I'm going with more of a more of a character like that, more Asian, more oriented. I I guess I can almost say like a, a Muda style, but not geared towards Japan, geared more towards my father's country. Yeah, have you gone where your father's from? Have you gone over there to see? Where he's from, or have you ever had that opportunity? Uh, no, man. Unfortunately, I haven't. One good thing about it, though, is, like, with the pro wrestling and everything, is it kind of made me a little bit different, because whenever I say the word Laos or Lao, uh, I'll meet some people who don't even know what that is, you know? So, uh, hearing the word Laos is very rare for me. Um, 
of course, there's a big community where I live and where I grew up at. <clears throat> but in the pro wrestling world, it was even more rare. So up until a few years ago, I was the only Lao wrestler that I knew of. And then I actually uh, came across these guys called the Laotian Sports Hall of Fame. And what they do is they bring recognition to Laotian athletes, whether it be football or wrestling or high school or athletics, anything. And um, I actually found out there are two other Laotian pro wrestlers, uh, one of them from Alabama. He goes by the name El Psycho Gato and another one named Sean Booyasak, who goes by Sean Lau uh, out there in Lubbock, Texas. So it was real cool. We got to sit down and do an interview with those guys about being Lau's pro wrestler and it, it was great man it's got to be good you have that you have that common bond right you guys like wrestling and you you know you have your i guess your bloodline right is yeah and actually me and gato was gonna or we're gonna be wrestling each other coming up in june 6th it's gonna be over there in pasagula mississippi so not only we're the first laotian wrestlers but we'll be the first two laotian wrestlers to go up against each other that's pretty good, man. Does your father ever get out to see any of your matches? He does. Uh, whenever they're a little bit closer to home. Uh, he started coming a, a few times uh, once my brother passed away. So he's come, I want to say, probably about eight or nine of them so far. He he was there whenever I made my big old comeback and, <laughs> and the big hoorah. You know, he's, he's been super supportive ever since. What a great story that was. And why don't you share a little bit about that with our, our listeners? You and I have talked about it in the past. It was with Lucha LaCora, right? Yeah, man. I think the journey coming back actually started like in 2018. I, I, I ran into a few people and I ran into a wrestling ring, like I told you before. Got in there, took a few bumps, and that was it. The itch was back, you know. I tell people a lot of, you know, Jordan Jod does not exist without Peter Chantapon, but Peter Chantapon does not exist without Jordan Jod either. You know, pro wrestling is a world full of crazy people, unique characters. You know, you might go out there and you might see a dead man, you might see a clown, you 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 will see a hundred and one things. But for some of them. And especially me, it's like it's the one place I feel like I could actually be who I really am, you know. So when I got that itch back, I had to I had to do it. So of course I reached out to a few buddies and I reached out to people I knew who I could trust, people I know who could be honest with me. And uh, one of them was like, "Hey man, you just be who you are, just be you." So that's whenever we kind of started to roll with the Asian Cajun thing because my dad is Asian, like we just spoke about, and my mother is over here from Louisiana. Whenever I came back in 2019, I had wrestled probably about six or seven matches, you know, uh, and everything went pretty good. But the problem was it was all people I was already familiar with. Uh, Lucha LaCora is a whole different style, you know, uh, Lucha style versus what you typically see. And on top of that, he was the first guy I wrestled that I didn't know personally, you know, like it, it, he was just completely new to me. So to me, it was kind of a test. Okay, man, you you, you got a little something left in the tank, and it kind of it was something I had to prove to myself, you know. So I appreciated that a lot, and that's still hands down one of my one of my favorite matches. Lucha bring out the best in somebody. He really does. Yeah, and he's he's such a uh, such a wonderful guy to talk to. I've I've had him on the show as well, and you know, uh, I just he's just a lot of fun, man. And. And he's fun to watch in the ring, as as you are as well. 
Oh, definitely, bro. Definitely, he definitely is, dude. So, and then you know, I, I see him working with so many guys, and it's just—he's one of those people who he just likes to give back, you know. Right, right. Hey, are you still doing the uh, in your entrance bringing out the flower? Can you can you tell us about that and and the meaning behind it? Yeah, man. So, of course, uh, like I said earlier that my mother passed away. Uh, she passed away in 2017, and her favorite flower was a stargazer lily. And I don't come from a long line of pro wrestlers. I just come from a long line of pro wrestling fans. And I'm sure if any of the people who know me are listening, they've heard these, these stories a hundred times. But, uh, no, man, my, my first match back, I decided to just wear one in my boot, you know, a tribute thing because she wasn't there. Uh, and I just kept doing it for some reason. And the crowd started to get hooked to it. You know, they started asking for it. So it started becoming one of the things the Stargazer Lily was my symbol. You know, it's something that I inherited that was, that was a part of me. Uh, of course, you can look it up. Stargazer Lily has a hundred meanings, purity, prosperity, luck, and stuff like that. So I was like, man, you know, the, the crowd is really hooked on this. Uh, and I always said, Pro wrestling is kind of like bass fishing, you know. You just keep throwing stuff out there until they bite on it, and that's one of the things they love. So it's great because it's, it's paying tribute to someone who was a big part of my life, my mother, of course, uh, and a big influence, and the crowd loves it. You know, they get into it. Uh, it's on my tight. Uh, my, one of my finishing moves called the Stargazer, and whenever I go out there, man, I, I, I see the fans. They're reaching, hey, I want the flower. I want the flower. I want the flower. So I always try to make it a point to give it to somebody. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, that's a nice, it's a nice touch. And, you know, I'm sure there's, there's people that, you know, take that flower and, and press it and keep it, right? Just because, you know, how often do you, you know, get, get something like that from a wrestler, right? You can put right. that in and, a bowl. And, you know, I, I, another thing that kind of goes, goes back is I remember as a kid, you know, watching wrestling on TV myself. And, you know, Bret Hart, he would always come out and he would hand his glasses to somebody. Or if there was another kid with a Rey Mysterio mask, you know, he would touch foreheads and tell them thank you, you know. It's that interaction, man, you know. And you, with wrestling, it's an emotional roller coaster, you know. You can make somebody's day with a, just a small gesture like that. And if you got the opportunity to make somebody smile, then why not? Well, and that that's really the key, right, to pro wrestling is the the – fan interaction and the and the connection, right? The emotional connection that the wrestlers have with the, the fans. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. That's like I, why I told you earlier, man. It, there's, there's no Jordan without Peter, but there's no Peter without Jordan either, you know? I feel like I, I need this for myself on a personal level. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm addicted to that crowd interaction. I'm addicted to – listening to the crowds chant Jordan, you know, I'm addicted to all of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the the competition down there is pretty strong too, right, on the on the Gulf Coast? Oh, yeah, man, we have a lot of great guys, uh, a lot of great guys. Louisiana, dude, uh, tag team-wise, uh, there's not too many tag teams. Me and Christian Blake, we were doing our overboy thing over here for a little while. Uh, they have a few others like Disobey. Uh, the Cajun not lost, but we recently wrestled these two guys from Mississippi called the Daybreakers. Oh man, and that match was great. We loved it, dude. We did it on April first, and we had a blast. We 
we wrestled once a year and a half ago, and what happened was the situation wasn't really that great. It wasn't ideal. We kind of felt like we owed it to ourselves to have another good one, and man, we rocked the dude. We all, all four of us came back just feeling great. It was, it was awesome. Have you had the opportunity to run into the uh, the Russell twins? Oh yeah, Alan and Cam, man, they're great. Actually, uh, I I wrestled one half of them. I've never been in the ring with Cam yet, but I've been in the ring with Izzy and Alan a few times. Uh, I actually just if you if you know the Russell twins, then you know their third partner from the Makers is uh, Isaiah Zane. Oh, okay, I've heard of them. I don't know much about them. Yeah, so they have the Russell Twins who they do their tag team thing, but they also have a third partner that which is called the Makers, and they do their trios, which is Isaiah Zane. Those guys, dude, they, they're doing their thing, young and hungry. You know, they're they're putting themselves out there. They're some good dudes. Somebody did a singles with Isaiah Zane probably about a month ago over here at a, in Napoleonville, Louisiana. Okay, yeah, I've had I've had the opportunity a couple times to run into the, the twins and. Uh, they're they're just nice guys and you know hard workers for sure. Definitely. And and I know they're they're from from down there in that area, so that's why I asked. But yeah, they're from uh, they're from around the New Orleans area, and like I said, they have they have those guys, the Daybreakers uh, from Mississippi. They have these other uh, young guys called the Varsity from Mississippi. Myself and Christian Blake with Brett, of course, uh, disobey. The Cajun Outlaws. Uh, so, like I said, we have a few good tag teams, but uh, I just really wish they had a lot more. You know, tag team wrestling is such a such an art to it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. But you're having a pretty good singles run right now, right? Yeah, man. So the storyline was uh, last year when the Overboys lost their titles, we could no longer be a tag team in this one specific company called Pro Wrestling 225, and that is the one company where we tag the most. So uh, after that, uh, we just, we just kind of had to go our separate ways and do our thing until this band's kind of lifted. And Christian Blake, in January, he won the Super Bowl Rumble, so now he's the number one contender for the Pro Wrestling Heavyweight title, uh, which is great for him. And I ended up winning the SEC title uh, from Vladimir Koloff, uh, on March 5th, so that was a great match, too, man. It, it was awesome. No, I bet it was. Yeah, Vladimir's been down there for quite some time, huh? Oh, man, Vlad works every freaking weekend. Vlad is all over the place. That guy, he, uh, I, I think it was like two weeks ago, man, he did a show uh, in the afternoon at a high school, then he did one that night, and as soon as he got off, he jumped on a plane, he flew to Maryland, and he worked wrestled Tim Thorne up in Maryland the next day. Vlad is, whew, that dude, he's all over the place. Dude, Vlad, Vlad's a great guy. You know, Vlad don't play for, for a big guy. He's so athletic and so quick. Yeah, good for him, too. Yeah, I've, I've seen him, I've, you know, I've, of course, I follow him on Facebook, and, you know, uh, our friend John Paul takes a lot of pictures of him as well, and so... I, I see I see him often and and I I see that he's working a lot so good that's good man so you and I have we met a couple years ago and I had a website and I was writing stories for the website and after I guess uh, somewhere along the line I started 
uh, writing books. I published my first book in 2020, and I've uh, started putting some books together. And when I revamped my website, I took stories down, and I had the stories, so I decided to put the stories in a book. And your story landed in my my third book, The Pro Wrestling Vault Volume 2, which has about 46 short stories in it, about 200 pictures. You're featured in that. You said you had the opportunity to 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 take a glance at that book. What was your your reaction of of being published in there? Well, I'll tell you this. Everybody knows about pro wrestling, dude. Is promotion is a great thing for everyone, and you know the work that guys like you and John Paul put into putting us out there it helps us out so much. You know, so. I never, I never dreamed I'd be in a book. I never thought I'd be, but it happened, you know. So it's great to be able to see myself in there, and it's just a piece of history that my family can and my friends can all go look back on, you know. It's, it's, it's great, dude. And I don't know if I ever got to tell you and JP this, but thank you, man. I, I appreciate it, you know. Uh, like you said, you you came across me just by looking at JP's pictures, you know, and I. I don't know if it was one of my split pictures or whatever that caught your attention, but, but it worked, you know? And like I said, everybody lives a crazy life. Uh, everybody's super busy. So for you guys to be able to put some work into it and just to put us out there, it, it means a lot, man. It really does. Well, you guys, you know, you guys, uh, do a, an amazing thing too. We, we, we appreciate it. Right. And, uh, you know, you guys put your bodies out there and, and take a lot of risks and, you know, it can't be easy, you know, and so we, we love what we do, taking the pictures, writing the stories, putting the information out there. And so it's always nice to have guys like you that, you know, give us your time, you know, cause we can't do it without that for sure. Yeah, man, life's crazy. You, you gotta take, take a step back sometimes and just, enjoy everything you know and having having that book is something you can you can always pull out just look at it look at yourself and smile you know and be like hey man that that's me in there <laughs> yeah and everybody has a story right so i mean yeah. you that that's a little piece of you know that's a small piece of the big story that that you have right but you know it's something that that's uh documented and published and something that will be around for for a long long time yeah and i mean I'm, i hope i'm hope i'm interesting enough for people to go out there and read <laughs> hopefully man uh and i'm sure everyone's heard my story and read it a million times but look i could talk all day long especially when it comes down to wrestling oh don't get me started i'll, I'll sit there and i have a conversation with people for hours just on <laughs> on anything pro wrestling related well, you, you mentioned, uh, the split pictures and I was, uh, on your website or on your Facebook page the other day and I noticed, uh, all these split pictures that I haven't seen before. And so when did that come about? Because I'll tell you this, man, just looking at that picture is pretty painful, bro. Yeah. So, uh, besides professional wrestling, uh, I was always heavily influenced by action movies. And, uh, my godfather growing up, he was a big Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. So 
here I am, and I can send you a picture after this. I'm two or three years old, and I'm just going around the house doing splits on chairs and on the ground and everything. So, so don't get me wrong. It's not easy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it was easy when I was young, but uh, now at 37 years old, I have a regular gym, cardio, and stretching regimen that I have to do just to keep this up because, yes, I can still do it now. Is it easy? No. And, yes, it does hurt. <laughs> so. Uh, it's one of those things you definitely have to work for, but it's become a trademark, you know. Um, not everybody can do a split, so I do a split. Sometimes I use it in offense. Sometimes I use it to break out of a hold, you know. Uh, it, it definitely gives me an advantage in the ring, being flexible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I bet. Yeah, when I was a lot younger, I I had some flexibility to me myself, and, you know, it's uh, one thing that's that, – if you work at it, you can keep it a lot longer, right? It's kind of like it's easy, it's easier to get than strength and endurance, right? But and and you can hold it a lot longer, right? But unlike endurance and all strength, you have to work, you know, work a little hard to get it, and you have to to work a little harder to keep it too. Yeah, you know, like I said, it, it it's kind of like wrestling. It was always just part of me. I could always do a split, so. For a long time, I actually couldn't do it, and it took me probably about a good year and a half of just steadily stretching and pushing myself and pushing past a pain threshold and breathing to where I was comfortable before I actually got to do it again. And uh, Christian Blake and I, one of our tag team moves that we do is uh, we'll get an opponent in the corner, we'll throw him some forearms, I'll do a split, and he'll jump over me and do a cannonball. Uh, and once the crowd seen that, you know, hey, man, can you take a split in this picture? Can you take a split in this picture? And they just, they think it's the coolest thing ever, you know. So it's a hook, line, and sinker. Well, there you go. Hey, man, how can fi- fans find you on social media? Oh, easy, man. Uh, I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Jordan Ja, uh, J-O-R-D-A-N. Last name is J-A-A. Uh, I also have a merch store at uh, storefrontier.com slash jordanjaw500, 500. So if there's anything they'd like to check out, check out shirt designs, they can go purchase them over there. Or if they want to see where my next show is going to be at, just follow me on Facebook, and hopefully we see them out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, man, it is always a pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you. It's been a while since we've done this, so I'm so glad that – we had the opportunity to do it again, man, and thank you for for giving me your time for sure. Oh, no doubt, Vinny, man. I appreciate it again. Like I said, everything you guys do, you know, y'all are awesome, man. Y'all take care, and I hope everything goes well with y'all, you and JP. Uh, thank you, man. You're listening to the WrestleVille Podcast, where wrestling lives. Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today.